Hey everybody, welcome to Dead Cat. It's Tom Dotan here. Hey I'm back. everybody, welcome to. <laughs> oh, that's right. You want you want my low voice intro? I'm relaxed after a week off, so that's that's my unstressed voice. It's naturally higher. It's a chill. It's a chill alto. I have no no grounds to criticize Tom's podcast voice, given I, I'm like, yeah, I'm saying like in sort of every other ten seconds. I do my best to. I don't think I don't say those things. Them. I just say it in a maybe more soothing tone yeah, than you, and I don't a have voice millennial. For, yeah, I don't have millennial vocal fry. But anyway, I am back after a week off. Uh, Katie and Eric had another episode in which uh, they talked about things that I really should have been participating in, uh, but uh, I wasn't there. It's the most frustrating episodes for me. I don't mind not being on the show, but at least talk about things I don't give a shit about. I give you like credit, you know. Literal <laughs> stories I've written. The murder, um, most successful story I've ever had, by the way, in terms of readership. And it was very interesting to see how it played out because the story came out. This was a story I wrote in 2015 or 16 or something. And it was about a murder that happened in Arkansas. And the police subpoenaed uh, an Amazon Echo to see if there there was any evidence on there to prove that the guy, you know, murdered the person in his hot tub. So that story came out like Christmas, the day after Christmas. And every news outlet picked up on it, and every TV show picked up on it, like like morning news show picked up on that's it. That's real power. But none of them gave if me the credit. If the Today Show or something's talking about it, that's, that's they did. reach. And they hauled out their, you know, like, oh, here's, you know, Carolyn, our tech reporter. And it's like oh, this fucking, yeah. like, seven-year-old woman, and she's got, like, an <laughs> echo next to her. And she's, like, talking about, like, that's her prop to explain right. this thing. Um, zero credit given. That's okay. It's fine. I did, I, did, I did do some radio interviews. And actually, hilariously enough, one of the radio interviews I did about the story, I had set an alarm on my Echo for unrelated reasons, and it went off in the middle of the interview. And it That's sounded like, it was, like huh. it was snooping on me. Yeah, that works well. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, we're not going to rehash all that. Yeah. But good, good episode. I recommend everyone listening to this. Listen to that. <laughs> We're cross promoting our own episodes. It's like go back to the back catalog. Well, some people there, just, there's some good stuff in there. You know, some people <laughs> probably tuned out when they saw I wasn't in the episode, and they're like, "Oh, it's Tom Free one." You know how it goes sometimes. Anyway, I missed out on a lot. I feel like while I was gone, the news cycle was insane. I think it was really? especially insane this last week. In financial world, it feels so slow. The market's up. The market's up, but the story is still that it's the end of the world. So how do you write that? Like, I'm, I'm like, stuck. It, it's up like 15%. Yeah, I guess that. In a month. Yeah, sure. The mar- Anyway, yeah. sorry. I know you think about broader societal things, but I just wanted to complain that how do you write the story of the downturn during, I mean, I think it's a dead cat bounce, but like, that's, that's basically what I said in my most recent newsletter, that the stock market rebounds, you know, on the way down. But it's very hard for narrative purposes because everybody gets excited. When I said the news cycle was insane, I probably was just reacting to like surprising earnings um, from a couple of companies that I pay attention to. And then the Trump shit. And then, the, you know, the, the Trump FBI stuff. I, the thing that was cross, crossing my mind while I was on vacation, which also, by the way, I told you guys where we can bleep <laughs> from the episode. is like an ongoing joke, <laughs> pretending that this was like... Is it a secret undercut. or... It's, it was a social media secret. That's what you're getting to. Yeah. Uh, so it, is it, it a media media secret? They, they only gave... They gave a guidance about social media. Was there a guidance right. about... Uh, your your podcast does that count as social? Well, that like, would have been no, very like- specific to me. They were very they were very general. I went to my brother's wedding. I can say that, and we were in a destination. Oh, well, I'll just say it, and then seven can bleep it out, which would be funny. Uh, but I was in I was in, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, we should, we redact we redact serious information at this. Uh, anyway, so so I w- I was there, and there was a social media blackout. 
on on my brother's wedding, but it You're, was for specific. My wife is but a mere school teacher. No, sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it was for personal reasons. But it did sort of make me think as I was in this beautiful location, you know, got to do something. Like the brain turns towards how could I leverage uh, the, the location that I'm at? And I was like, well, I guess I can post a be real. Um, that one seems acceptable in most situations. You So just to, you think be real doesn't count as social media in this context because it's a smaller circle? I, yeah, I, I think for the specific reasons that I needed to have a social media blackout, be real would not have violated any of those concerns. Uh, and so, and because I felt like I needed to do it. So then I decided to post to be real. And then I was like, look, I'm sitting down, you know, on the beach looking at palm trees and like a pristine Did you post this? Bloom Lagoon. I did eventually. Yeah. It's, it might be real from a couple days I, ago. I don't even, I don't think of you as a social media person that would have like such withdrawals that you would feel the need to find some outlet. It's it's just a thing that your mind wanders to when you're bored, right? I mean, at some points right. you're just like, well, I'm not reading right now and I'm not on Twitter, so what else do I do? And I'm like, oh, I guess I could create content. It's it's right. not I much mean, more I literally I'm than the that. person who posted like literally every meal that I ate in Italy to my stories while I was there. Instagram. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. So, and I'm, I'm off Instagram. I am on TikTok again, by the way. I have downloaded TikTok. <laughs> uh, yeah. We can talk about that too. I have, I have lots of thoughts about TikTok. But anyway, so I, I posted it. I was going to post to Be Real. And then I was like, no, this is too nice for Be Real. Because it seems to me the point of this app is to expose the mundanity of your life. It's because it's supposed to be in the moment. You don't want it to look good. A lot right. of it is just like, oh, it's me in an Uber with a mask I mean, a for mask people on. who don't have Be Real, you know, it's sort of at a certain time of day, they say, take a picture immediately. And you take it sort of forward and backwards. So you get sort of where you're sitting and what you're looking at sort of very real. There's been a lot of hysterical reporting recently that's worried that uh, people are <laughs> posting corporate secrets to their Be Real because they're just sitting in front of their work computer when this happens and they 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 put their uh, McKinsey slides or whatever out there for I mean, that probably has happened, right? Right. I mean, those people I, there were literal stupid. stories about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But... Yeah, people have decided that it is the app du jour. And I saw the information or, or some outlet had growth rate figures. Or, or, or I wrote about this company before anyone was paying. I scooped the seed and Series A round of this company. Anyway. Who's sorry, an investor this, in it? Who, that's who like a tick for me. My my tick is like bringing up my scoop. That was clear in the Emil interview too. It was like, oh, we're talking about these huge stakes. And I'm like, scoop. That was a scoop of mine, I believe. Um Anyway, sorry. That's uh, that's not unique to you, though. That's a, that's a specific <laughs> I know, reporter. It's, it's a reporter problem. It's yeah. a disease, but it's good. Yeah. I mean, that's you know, it's our. I don't know. It's part of what we're selling. Anyway, what were you asking me? So, be real, uh, people. It, it, it's growth is is big now, and it's valued at like what is it, six hundred million or something, oh, which I is forget. like yeah. a large pre. Anyway, I, I decided not to post it because I felt like it was a violation of the spirit of the app, which is things need to look boring, right? The point of it is to show people that there is you know, between the highlights on Instagram or, or whatever the fuck, uh, you know, really you're not doing anything interesting and you're living menial but lives. I was watching a TikTok the other day about Be Real, which really speaks to sort of the media environment we're in. But Well, I think you told me about that and that, that maybe f feeds into what I've been thinking about since then, which is that the next social media trend piece, like the A-head from the Wall Street Journal, is going to be that sensation that I felt, which is that, oh, my life is too interesting for Be Real. I shouldn't post it there. But that is also the app of the day. 
that you need to be posting on. And so people, influencers, which have spent the last five or so years, you know, glowing up their lives to make it interesting to people in a like celebrity standpoint are now going to have to dumb it down and like dull it so that they can fit, you know, the expectations of be real. And I think there are going to be like reality consultants. Right. That- Un- unfollow all the hot people. You know, like if you're single and dating, you can't have all these people you're trying to woo because all of a sudden it's going to corrupt your be real. That was sort of, that was the TikTok version of what you're saying. But yeah, that whether it's building a following or whether it's sort of caring too much about who's following you and trying to sell yourself to them, mm-hmm. it sort of ruins, you know, it's it's not the days when it was just be real seed investors, you know, now it's, now you have to care what they think. Oh, but the TikTok was trying to say like, you will make your be reels better if you spend less time paying attention to celebrities. Or no, just like if there are people, like if there are boys that you want to be pursuing you, then it's going to cause you to like really care about your be real presentation because they're mm-hmm. going to be consuming them and sort of just like, I mean, just, you know, depending on the audience. The pendulum is going to switch. And this happens during recessions, I find, right? Like, like uh, displays of immense wealth are, are out of fashion. And I remember like after 2008, there were all these stories about how like all these bankers didn't want to like wear expensive watches or have nice suits because everyone was mad at the finance industry for, for fucking everything up, but also like still being rich while people were being evicted from their homes. And I think if we do enter a recession, people are going to call it, you know, you know, Instagram fabulous lives are out and be real, you know, meniality is in. And that, yeah, we've already got like the shitty selfie and, you know, yeah, I think that, I think that's the trend right now. Right. But the thing is that influencers, you know, they exist solely on top of these social media platforms as their business. And so they're going to have to adapt for be real and they can't be what they have been for the last couple of years. They can't so gonna, be real. <laughs> they can't. Well, literally, they cannot, right? I mean, I don't think, you know, given who they are. Well, that are, was the hysterical thing with the, what, the Kardashians where they're like, Instagram is supposed to be for your friends, you know? And right. just, we are, yeah. Like, what friends? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 it, this, will, this will happen. Mark my words. I Probably I should just write this story. Uh, I'm, I'm moving to a new beat, uh, which would allow for these kinds of pieces. But some someone's going to do it, and this is what we're going to be living in for the next. But you need of years. a word. I feel like chuggy. Uh, oh, I mean, what's reality the word consultant. That, oh, oh yeah, you mean that, a word for 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 whatever? I'm just saying the, the best trend stories have a clear word. The vibe shift. Yeah, I feel like people have, you know, use abuse that phrase like ever since it came out. Um, everything is like part of the vibe shift, even though nobody knows what we're shifting to. Yeah, that definitely ran its course. The, the the vibe, I mean, vibe as a concept was funny to me at first, generally as like, it's inexplicable and it describes people who are just sort of out of touch, but seem to be having a good time. But the vibe shift, and there was like that famous uh, New York Magazine story that like pushed it and everyone was so excited about it. Well, that's it. Read, where it came from. I think that was the vibe shift. Vibe shift came from there. Yeah, yeah. But everyone loved it. And I never like, it, it was supposed to be this like agreed upon 
concepts that everyone is like, oh yeah, no one can describe it. We know it's something, and that's really funny. I'm like, yeah, but fine, but that's not a great piece. Then if no one, it doesn't right. describe anything. But that's why it's been so abused because everyone right. can use it for anything, and and now it's to the point where you know, like old editors just know that it's like a catchy thing that will get people to sort of engage with the the story. Which is probably why it'll yeah, it'll be like in the nut graph of the A head about the be real you know, the rise of be real reality consultants because right. the editors will be like, Oh, what's this vibe shift I've been hearing right. about? You exactly. put that in you, the story. You, that that you won't be writing the cool story if you say vibe shift. I mean yeah. I wanted to I, I don't know if there's a tangent or not. We can we don't have to go into this, but are, are you following the whole like dime square issue? No, tell me about it. I saw the headline or the tweets, but I didn't click on the article. What, I mean, what was Dime that? Square is like a sub it's like a very niche part of New York. I think it's associated with the Red Scare podcast. There was this like, I think a Dime Square newspaper that Ben Smith wrote about, if you remember that. There was a whole mm-hmm. back and forth there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some crazy substacks that I've read going through like all this like leftist art house drama I think affiliated with Dime Square. There are all these podcasts. Their podcasts way more popular than ours about this like fake made up small community. Okay, so that that's going on. I mean, Taylor why is it L- called Dime Square? Is it because it's full of hot people or no? Like, I think like a it's dime because bag? I think it's like a I think it's a geographic. It's like a ripoff of I think it's like Lower Manhattan and it's like a sort of Times Square like but it's you know this is a shitty part of town so it's Times Square I think I think it's like, I low, think it's like a mini value. neighborhood okay. and but but yeah so and then You're I think Taylor Lorenz yeah Ta- Taylor Lorenz sort of observed you know this is this is all fake you know <laughs> the media is just interested in like talking about people adjacent to itself and blah 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 which is obviously true but I think if anything, what's been weird about this time is it used to be that like elite media could just like, I don't know, whip up a fad or say like, this is happening now. And then it was like a fun thing. And that's what the vibe shift was. But the problem was that given that there isn't sort of the same command and control sort of media environment, they couldn't really dictate it. So they just sort of said, it seems like something's changing. People want, I think what was happening this is my view. I think people want sort of to be told that like the culture is moving here. Like here's the new cool thing. Like that people are fatigued of this period where there is no, you know, we're just consuming all, all old, you know, the nineties, the eight, you know, everybody's consuming all the old content. So there's nothing like the feels of this time. People want sort of somebody to say, this is what it's all about. These are the characters we're obsessed with that aren't, you know, Donald Trump. And so that's like this whole, like, that's like the dime squares and stuff. But the media, I feel like everything's been so, I don't know. But, but dime square seems like it's just a pure abstraction, right? Like it's a commentary on the lack of a, an identifiable trend by claiming something exists that doesn't really, other than for the fact that people are making fun of the fact that it doesn't exist. Right, I mean, is that that sort of the what core just of it? exists because people start writing about it and creating content around it, and then people get invested in you know, it's like f- professional wrestling or something. I mean, it's like we went to the uh, you no, you weren't there. I went to a party with um, who's the one who sells snake oil, Caroline Calloway or whatever. Like, I feel like she's you don't follow her. This is Caroline Calloway. She like, I think she wrote a book called like Scammer. You know, she's like a famous like minor scammer. You know, she's. Pro- 
Anyway. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah, there are all these characters. I mean, I feel like in social media world right now, you know, do you do you know who is the most like I feel like a phenomenon on my TikTok while we're just observing social media is that I see the reaction to the trend before I see the trend. Do you experience this? Oh, uh, all the time because the reaction is much larger than the trend. And because we're yeah, we is we're in the demographic of reaction. I think it's both that the, but who who is your TikTok reacting to right now? Well, I'm bad. I'm a bad taste test case here because I'm so new to TikTok, and I think the app is still trying to figure out who the fuck I am. And so, I, like, it's full of DIY. Is Andrew Tate on your radar? No, I don't know characters. Oh no. my god, this no. is coming. Uh, he's, it's like a terrible, terrible men's rights guy. But literally, Andrew yeah. Tate was on. A podcast, and that podcast immediate like just had Elon Musk on, or is going to after this. And Andrew Tate has been on like he was on. So is he like he's like a Stephen Crowder type I character? He's ter- just- no, he's like he's bad. I mean, it's like, oh, but it's just like you know, it's like the game. You know, it's like any of these sort of like pickup artists sort of things like on oh, steroids. Okay. And I think all these content creators just like it as you know, it's something to pivot off of. It's just like another. I don't know, but it's it's deeply troubling. But uh, if he's omnipresent, thing, he's right. omnipresent. Like, I mean, it's just like, yeah, it's yeah, and people just seize on whatever the storyline is to to build a universe out of. Well, so but back to the dime square thing. I mean, the idea that people are c- claiming that something exists that doesn't really exist but keep writing about it enough that they could eventually will it into existence or have enough people follow it that it seems like a real entity. It's not like it's, it's a pretty small jump between that and QAnon to me. Right. Like I've always viewed the QAnon. I mean, Dime Square exists. Like there are people who are like in the circle or whatever. Like it's just like uh-huh. 30 people or, so, you know, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, and I, I guess you could say there are some elements of QAnon like Jeffrey Epstein <laughs> and that sort of stuff that like exists you know, to, to say that there are people like elites in the world that do things that are gross and there is like far more of that than people are willing to accept. But I'm just talking about the larger mass of people that just find the concept interesting and decide to claim it exists because it gives them entertainment. I see suddenly, what you're saying. It's hard to distinguish right. between the people who are genuine believers and the ones who just like are entertained by it. And ultimately, it doesn't really matter if it influences. Well, to put that, I think yeah. this is what you're saying. There's an argument that some of the media obsession over QAnon was because the media wants to be able to criticize Trump people for being total loony bins. So it's like, okay, we're going to underline this. I mean, I don't actually agree with this view. I think QAnon was pretty sizable. Like a big big contingent of the Trump base believed in it. It came up a lot. Dime Square, I don't think we're ever going to see, you know, a day where, uh, I don't know, Democratic Party politics are, I mean, that's the thing. The Dime Square world, the Red Scare world, if anything, like part of the trend is like flirtation with the right, despite professing to be like, you know, communists, you know, that's sort of, anyway, it's a right. intricacy. We don't need to go down that road. <laughs> um, and there's obviously a distinction between Democratic Party politics and like the leftist podcast right. world. But back to TikTok, because I, I did rejoin it because I am now covering YouTube 
And it would seem like I'm just not doing my job if I'm not aware of the, because basically TikTok. Do we, can is, we have sirens going off? You're like, cha- beat change alert. I think, I think I said changing. So <laughs> okay. I'm, in, I'm in a Tom, transition Tom was process. covering like labor and Uber and now what, Google and YouTube. I mean, YouTube Google and YouTube. Part, yeah. I mean, YouTube yeah. is part of Google, but, but yeah. Google with an, I just learned all that, of Alphabet way. or just, just Google? I think it's Google with a focus on YouTube, but it's going to be Google corporate politics as well. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, basically, TikTok and its user and its you know UX has completely upended all social media companies. It's it's the only thing everyone's scrambling to copy that. Even YouTube, which you would think is this like unmovable, unchangeable behemoth. That I saw there was like a Pew study that said ninety five percent of teens are are using YouTube. So like dwarfing every other platform. Uh, you know, YouTube remains you know, right. Beyond, and beyond we're going to have Mark Bergen on of Bloomberg, who has a book coming out. Yes, it's uh, like, comment, subscribe. I believe we are hotly anticipated by the Dead Cat Show. Um, yeah, no, we'll, we'll go deep on YouTube when when Bergen is on. But um, but yeah, so so I had to download TikTok, and you know, they asked me generally, you know, because you, when you first, it's been too long for you, but you probably don't remember, but like when you first go on, they ask you like generally, what are you into? So they can just populate the feed with something. And then I guess over time, they like refine it uh, to make it even more addictive. And at first, the stuff that they kept showing me was like prank videos, Yikes. but, it, but, it, but I, it would be like, but it was like life affirming prank videos. So it would be like a guy going up to someone at an in and out and being like, hey man, can I have $3 to buy a burger? And then if he gives them, you know, like five dollars, <laughs> right. he's just here's, like, "Here's ten thousand dollars." Well, yeah, no, it's not yeah. that much. Well, but it'll be like, yeah. it'll be like, "Hey, how much was your meal for your, you and your friends?" And he's like, "Oh man, it's like eighteen dollars." It's like, "Here's twenty bucks for being a nice guy." Uh, <laughs> well, that's forward, like Mr. Man. Beast got famous, just like instead of using the money that he would use on marketing, using the money to just like give to people right. and using that to generate interest. Right, I mean, but he's like the love... most popular creator on YouTube, so he has a large budget where these right. guys are just like, yeah, it's TikTok, so I can spend $20 or something on this. But I, I've been getting a lot of those uh, at first. I think that's just, there's a universal human, I, I get the these TikTok guys go up to somebody, it's like, do you want $2 or do you want me to double and give $4 to the next person? Oh, I've and seen just, that one. Yeah, I yeah they're like accosting people at the mall, I don't right. like those. Uh, and then I've gotten a lot of like soldiers surprising their family by coming home. Basically, I'm getting like Midwestern Christian mom TikTok, which is very strange for me. Uh, it has moved away from that eventually, but it was funny to see like the algorithm being like, who the hell is this guy? Now it's a lot of DIY projects, you know, people like you on know, YouTube or TikTok? TikTok, TikTok. This is all TikTok. But you don't think YouTube? YouTube caters to me. But my problem with YouTube is it's just, I feel like it's. It just really over-indexes on whatever you watch. Like, it's all, like, MacBook tips, chess, and, like, video game sort of suggestion stuff. Donkey in particular. Do you ever go through and delete your history to, like, force the algorithm to re-define you? that's interesting. Oh, I do that all the time. I just get annoyed because what happens is I'll do it and it keeps eventually getting back to the right thing for me, which is, like, old David Letterman clips. Or something, or like Norm Macdonald, uh, over and over again. I don't know if you can do that with TikTok though. Like force the algorithm to forget you, hmm. to like re- redefine who you are. But what I've noticed with TikTok, and I think probably is part of the reason it's so addictive, is it does change itself up a little bit. Oh right? yeah, like, I feel like, like in different sessions, responsive. it'll be like, oh, forget, forget all that shit right. about like whatever workout videos. Like let's right. move to you know, like leather. 
you yeah. know, building things out of leather. It's, it shit. seems like TikTok could figure out very quickly, oh, the diet's over. Now we're fantasizing about like pizza. Right. You know, it like, it yeah. is very responsive to whatever uh, that that shift is. Yeah. Well, I, I, when, when Katie's on next to, I'll have to ask her about, because she said she got a lot of cooking TikTok videos. Like she would get a lot of people making shit on there. And all the food videos on TikTok are gross to me. It's just like people wrapping spaghetti and like burger meat. I like, mean, it's been written about, but you know there are these accounts where the gimmick is they just make the food terribly in a sort of unappealing way. And like, it's a total engagement hack just to get people to like, be like, why are you doing this? And you know, it's just, it's like, we're doing it because you flip out and like people hate it. And that's, that is what's disturbing about social media where it's just, I feel like, some human should come in and be like, this This isn't good for anybody. Like, this is, <laughs> this is just objectively bad. Anyone who would like to spend their time, like, if, if they would just stop watching these, if somebody could be like, you know, this is, like, bullshit, right? It's just meant to make you angry. Like, I don't know. That's where social media gets so bleak. That's especially strange with cooking stuff because it could be useful, right? Like, it could be, like, a cooking tip. You could apply. They your start life. off maybe reasonable, and then they do something. You know, they just. It's hard to tell which it is, though. Like I saw one the other day where someone had like taken like a ribeye steak and put it inside a watermelon, and then put the watermelon on the grill. See, yeah, I'm sure this is just I, to I, drive I, you insane. Well, it was just like bewildering. Like I right, just couldn't. That's like exactly. Like it wasn't gross or anything. <laughs> it was just like, what the fuck is this? Like, yeah, right. I guess you could do that. <laughs> But it's been living in my head since then. So I guess like it was effective as far as that goes. Right. It's a strange app. It's, and I guess like the thing I want to ask you, because you and, and Katie are addicted to it. Do you feel fulfilled after you watch a lot of TikTok? Like, do you feel like, oh, I've just gotten some solid entertainment here? I do. I do find it a very, it's very enjoyable. You know, I, I do think it delivers like dopamine hits pretty regularly. I also, it does surface like, you know, philosophy tiktoks and stuff so sometimes i i I find myself like quoting back various like aphorisms and like summations of different thinkers and how did you get to those i get a lot of zizek or whatever zizek like the the, the slavic yeah yeah okay oh that's good he's interesting like him on there doing it or people just quoting him both him him doing it and then people sort of interpreting it okay well that's been on youtube too i know like contrapoints was like a very popular YouTube account of like the kind of a leftist trans. Right. And I'll get all these chess traps, you know, apparently Mm -hmm. there's no bridge content on TikTok because it it hasn't found me. Well, that could be you. (laughs) There's an audience for that for sure. (laughs) Well, they don't have TikTok. I mean, it's like you have to mail it to their house. I guess the reason I asked though, is that every like TikTok session that I've had, which yeah, like it's rising. Like I said yesterday, I was on it for like 1.2 hours, which is disgusting. I don't feel good afterwards. I, like, hmm. I just feel like it's it's pure empty calories. And it's not like, you know, Facebook or Instagram or YouTube or like full nourishment, but there's a unique emptiness from my TikTok experiences that I'm just like the bare minimum of entertainment to me that I, I turn it off at some point because I'm just like, uh, you know, like I, I feel like a glutton and I'm just like full of bad food. That I gorged on. And it's always funny when you get a TikTok that's like basically trying to convince you that TikTok is like terrible. Or like there was some like passage from like um, my dinner with Andre or something that's at at the time that movie comes out very cynical of sort of our consumptive uh, 
world, uh, sort of information consumptive world, and like imagine that sort of in the context of TikTok. I don't. I, it's yeah. But well, again, then I'm like, oh, I got, I got like an interesting, you know. Th- I was just like, it's good at like giving you a lot of like. What's going on in the world? Like, I don't know. More satisfying than Twitter in a lot of ways. When you say going on in the world, though, you mean like what are the things that people are into on TikTok, right? Right. Well, that, yeah. Like what are the trends? Yeah. You're way more in touch with your fellow humans from that, I feel like. Well, yeah, certainly. I mean, it's it's obviously not your friends (laughs) and maybe more than Twitter because that just optimizes towards journalists and making you angry, which TikTok doesn't really it seems like. I like the app wouldn't be successful if it was just about making you mad in the way that Twitter does. No, definitely not. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens as time goes on. Uh, but at the current moment I'm at with it, it's just like, like I said, just the bare minimum of entertainment for me. But because the interaction with it is so addictive, it's just the swipe. And you can do it so many times. And if something doesn't meet that low, low bar, you can move on to the next one. Uh, like that in and of itself is as much a part of the experience than like the content. It's definitely itself. bad for your brain. You know, oh, it has to be. It has it's to so be. bad. Yeah, I definitely feel bad after... I've been on it in a way that I did not with with social, you know, other social media platforms. Anyway, did you want to move on to uh, to Elon at all? Elon, which part of it? Well, that was another thing that happened while I was out. That he is apparently sold like several billion dollars worth of his stock in anticipation of losing his. Uh, what what his a con, case. man! He said he wasn't selling, then he sells. You know, it's just I, yeah. I don't know. Is is followers are the ultimate suckers you know I, I don't know what to say beyond that it's hysterical i feel like yeah. there's no ambiguity like I, I don't know how i mean it's it's amazing i mean that it seems like this whole twitter thing existed as a pretext to let him sell at like the peak for a time definitely but he's already lost that gambit right because the stock is down so much from when he initially but then made the offer. rebounded for a while i mean it's it's oh, up has again. It? yeah oh, okay but it's still down significantly from its peak. It's down, but it it's surged. Yeah. Well, but here's my question for the, the the Elon, you know, fanatic sycophants is that I gotta think part of the appeal with him is that he keeps wriggling out of shit. Cause that is remarkable, right? It's like he can call someone a pedophile for no reason, get sued for it, and win. Or he can claim he's gonna take Tesla private, the SEC files a suit against him, and then nothing really happens other than a slap on the wrist. And that's cool. Like, I get that. I get that, like, in the age of Trump and, like, no, you know, consequences for people being outlandish. Like, Elon is one of the best at it. Consequences are coming. This is, we're finally getting there. Trump, they're searching his house. Elon, they're going to make him buy Twitter. Like, may- maybe, they make him you know. Twitter. Like, that's the ultimate consequence. It just takes a couple years of a Democratic administration and the 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 party that's, you know, allegedly rioting in the streets brings back law and order. Like, that would be, you know another vindication for the Democrats. But yeah, I mean, I, you I could make that hope. argument. You could make that argument. I am making that. That is a sincere argument. Yeah. Yeah. Is that like, look, if we like a year from now, Elon is like owning Twitter and just tanking it. <laughs> and Trump I do love, is, I do love that. He, we, I mean, the conservatives love to go crazy. It's like the Democrats don't even want him to have Twitter, but now they desperately want to force him to have Twitter. But I'm like, that's a totally coherent, like logical story. Like I, I can, that that makes total sense to me. That uh, I would prefer to punish Elon for falling through on his agreement uh, than 
save Twitter to be like, I mean, just burn it down, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's not even like a politicization <laughs> yet really with like by owning Twitter. Like, it's just like he signed a fucking contract that right. says he needs to own it. But it is funny to see politicians, you know, they were trying to like curry favor with Elon. They're like, oh, he's a he's a free agent right now. Like, we could draft him. Well, no, by- he basically said he's going to support DeSantis. Uh, oh, did he? Oh, because yeah. I know he said he wouldn't support Trump. He, he but- is... Signaled DeSantis support. But I'm talking more about like the, you know, uh, attorney general in Texas filing a suit against Twitter because of, you know, not disclosing their bot levels. You know, that to me was like a clear like, oh, we can show him that like we can, you know, like the the Texas legal system is on his side. (laughs) Right, yeah. Like I, join how, us, how are people not disturbed by this? Yeah, exactly. Right. So that was like a clear move in that direction. But then like I'm saying, so like a year from now, if Elon is owning Twitter and uh, Trump is like in prison for espionage. Well, he'd probably just be on trial or something. Yeah. Okay. But like he's actually charged in a serious way. And like, I mean, it wouldn't be a bad move by Democrats to claim like this is the system functioning again. And like, right. this is what happens uh, totally. You know, when we're they in go charge. after a couple of crypto frauds. You know, I mean, they're they're investigating like Coinbase. I mean, it, it is insane how how slow it all is, and the functionaries have been there the whole time. But the crypto thing is weird, though, right? Like, I, I it doesn't seem like either party is trying to make like being for or against it a core aspect of their platform right now, right? Well, I'm like, worried that people are going to get bought out by it. I mean, there's you know, Sam Bankman Fried is donating a ton of money and they all want it to be regulated by the commodities future trading commission instead of the sec which is just like bonkers i mean it's it's just like oh it won't fall under all the sec rules because we're gonna treat it as something totally different i mean it's it's like an insane workaround but i do worry that it's the classic case where there the people who support something are such diehards that there isn't the same energy on the opposite. Like, what am I going to spend my life arguing that Bitcoin can't be, you know, regulated, it should be regulated by the SEC? What does the politicians getting bought out by the crypto world look like, though? I mean, it's just donors. There, there's like a bill. There's there's a bill. Um, I forget. It's like, it's weird. It's like the agriculture chairs. I forget. Um, but there, there's a key bill that's that's been position that's very pro crypto. Uh-huh. So basically just the passage of that bill if that if that somehow it got would be through. A boondoggle. It would be insane. Yeah. Yeah. I'm cuz cuz we've already passed the point of like, you know, the individual coins, you know, like suddenly Elizabeth Warren's like, I'm doing a a Warren coin or a Bailey <laughs> coin and like you know that she's been bought out or something. Like that period has passed already. To be clear, Elizabeth Warren has in no way done that. And no, no, never, but I'm saying like, like, that would be the ultimate. Like that would be the sure. biggest victory for crypto is that like, yes, she, I, she I, announces. I, yeah, that would be quite Like the something. Bailey coin ICO would be the end of any sort of like, you know, federal sure. regulation of, yes. of the space. I, I think Elizabeth way. Warren is extremely hostile to that. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. But that period has passed. So yeah, I guess it would have to be legislation. Um, which is very hard to do. Like, they, you know, no one can pass any legislation now. Well, so. we've had tons, um, but, but yeah, yes. sure, yes, sure. I mean, in, but everything in this current- feels like a Herculean effort, and not sort of like, oh yeah, let's try something, and we can always pass a different bill or whatever. Yeah. They, cinema would be pretty easy to, to, to take. I feel like, you know, given that she came out in favor of the carried interest loophole, which is still one of the craziest things for someone to like lay their career yeah. on the line for. Newcomer is proudly in favor of 
carried interest exemption. No, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm probably not in favor, but definitely uh, I think my financial interests would seem to be in favor. You know, like uh, I feel like I should have had a, a subscription drive when that got repealed. Just be like, oh, you thought you were going to lose like millions of dollars a year because of this. You can't spend $150 on media. Like, yeah. But, it's uh, the opposite of a special <laughs> offer. It was just like I just found out that your net worths are going to be protected for exactly the next, for You're the rich, foreseeable like, future. Subscribe. Like. Your passive income is fucking guaranteed, dude. Right. I'm jacking up the price. You should have done that, frankly. I, yeah. Um, was there a Sam Bankman Freed tweet storm? Yeah. To, tweet yeah, thread. Yeah. Sorry. It was fascinating. I, yeah. I'm just trying. I, okay, he tweeted this on Sunday. The financial circle jerk. Then he makes it clear this is not financial advice and missing lots of nuance. He says, in the last year, Meta has around $100 billion in revenue that it makes from selling ads. And it's like, who buys those ads? Uber, SoFi, Affirm, Robinhood, Coinbase, DoorDash. I mean, it's basically making this argument that VC money, you know, flows into Facebook. That makes Facebook more valuable then, then I feel like the big leap of this argument is that then the money coming out of Facebook effectively makes the VCs richer, allowing them to invest in startups again. So this is a very 2014-15 argument. Is, we used to be obsessed with this because there were app install ads. Right. And so the idea was, okay. By startups that were all VC funded. And so it was just indirect VC money flowing into Facebook. But then it basically, then all the brands figured out, I mean, the death of like, What's it called? Like I don't know, Casper and stuff, Warby Parker. I mean, those companies they're, they're both are still not around. Death, they're still yeah. around, but like that they're not like huge sexy companies anymore is because yeah, other econ other brands figured out how to advertise on Facebook and so the ads weren't underpriced anymore. You know, basically startups just didn't have exclusive access to Facebook ads. So this this feels like an extremely dated yeah, argument. Yeah, it's like he's just catching up on the thing that, like you said, we were freaking out about in 2014-15 when Facebook, you know, was basically a lever that pushed people towards different mobile apps by targeting people in their timeline. And yeah, it did not take down Facebook, even though a ton of those direct-to-consumer companies did collapse because they have a huge fucking base of advertisers. <laughs> like it's just it's just more complicated than that. They have like small businesses all over the world advertising on there. They have like multi-billion dollar even like when there was like the ad boycott against Facebook at the height of like Cambridge Analytica and like a ton of big brands pulled their advertising for a month uh, from them, it didn't affect their earnings at all. So anyone who's like arguing that they're like, you know, Sterling Cooper uh, and their entire revenue stream is based on Lucky Strike. That's just not true for Facebook. Right. So I would yeah. not, that's pretty disappointing from the boy genius of the crypto world. And, and somebody was just like, I, I, I've, I mean, I think this was a common reaction on Twitter, but just like, I'm not the Ponzi, you're the Ponzi. You know, it just felt like an extreme sort of deflection from, you know, a business that is often accused of. Like Facebook people were saying that? No, no, no. I'm saying that like crypto world, like the Sam oh, Bankman Fried oh, right, FTX right, world right. is dependent, you know, a deeply interconnected world where the value of one thing props up, you know, they all crash together. You know, it's not like these, it's not like we had a Bitcoin crash and Ethereum crash too. You know, they're all, they're very correlated right now. So that there is def, there is Ponzi economics all over, over crypto world. So then it does feel a little bit like absurd to make it seem like 
it's a Facebook issue. Well, the mistake he made was focusing on Facebook, I think. Like, they're just too big of a company. If you did it for Snap, for example, that could feel a little bit more true, right? And like their, you know, their business did kind of collapse during a quarter because there was a downturn in like a specific type of advertiser. Like that, like those ones, like app install ads. And so, I mean, that's not a sexy argument to make. Like you're not going to go viral by saying like, Snap is not a very safe company because too much of their you know, revenue comes from app install ads from precarious startups. But, but going after Facebook was just, that was dumb. Like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you, dude. On some level, I'm sympathetic to what he's trying to say. People clearly underestimate how interconnected everything is and valuations are. I mean, that's why when the bear market comes, it feels so sudden everything evaporates at once because it's like, you know, your your revenue, you know, was my investment dollars from, you know, my investment dollars. Your valuation was propping up startup valuations. You know, there is a level of interconnectedness to it all. And Facebook is one of the most, you know, the largest companies in the world and it is sort of essential to part of the ecosystem, but feels super misguided in that Facebook, I mean, and one last thing that Sam doesn't even bring up is, of course, Zuckerberg is a huge investor in Iconic and other firms, probably, and those firms then prop up the startup world. But I just don't agree with this, like, the VC funds are just, like, getting their money. First of all, he, I think he said that Facebook was paying off dividends. and that's To shareholders? That's just not true. Right, that's yeah. not true. So it's like, Facebook's increase in value made, you know, Vanguard wealthy and then Vanguard sells some of that and is like an LP or like more accurately, like the Harvard endowment sells some shares and becomes an LP. I mean, there's a, there's a truth to it, but it's just like, I don't know. It, I mean, just moving from, it's like a claim about how much you zoom. About, I don't know. Is the world bigger? Is the world small? It's like, you can see it both ways. And we all cycle through like saying the world is very small and the world is huge, you know? Right. I don't, yeah. But I guess what I don't, what it seems like we're all kind of waiting around for to a degree is like we know that there is going to be some sort of downturn. Tesla to implode. That's, that's right. That, that's for. right. That's the thing. We, we want to collapse. We want a Lehman Brothers. And when I say want, I don't mean the media wants. Yeah. I just mean like that's a clear signal. <laughs> it it that feels like, like if you have a bubble, you have a. I mean, SoftBank is down a lot and there's a right. lot more markdown. So SoftBank is looking. I mean, again, these things are never like a total, total shock. I mean, on the one hand, like Enron was. One of the most, you know, popular companies, whatever. But my sense is that people were also like deeply skeptical of it at the time. Sure, I mean, they were aware that it was responsible for many bad things. The idea of like energy trading was not a sustainable business in the way that they were doing it. Like, let alone like for, like forgetting the fraud and and all that aspect. But you know, like Lehman Brothers, like people were looking for a load bearing beam in the economy to collapse to bring down a whole bunch of things and. It's. I just don't know what it would be here. We talked about this before on the show. Like we had. Rick I mean, we're obsessed on. with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just. It's. I so... mean, Robinhood is not load bearing, but I mean, we have yet to see the sort of dramatic bankruptcies. I mean, I, you know, Emil's company, D Wave, just listed through a SPAC, mm-hmm. and the fact that I mean, these quantum companies, which even if the technology is as good as advertised, have just such a long. Time horizon, right? You know, I I just feel like we're still seeing sort of, you know, optimistic, forward-looking stuff, um, and that's what I'm saying. I, right now, we're in this what I believe to be sort of a temporary 
upturn. So upturn. It's, it's making but, everybody sort of feel good about things. I mean, literally, Chamath, I've been listening to All In a lot. I'm thinking about uh, writing a piece about them. And like, Chamath was basically like, you know, taking a victory lap because the stock market, you know, because his stuff is up like 20% or something. You know, it's like, it's still like this down last six right. months. I mean, like, he's, he must be down unbelievably from the SPAC peak. That he yeah. had, right? Like there is no, there is nothing for him to champion until he's like up again from, you know, from the beginning of the wave that he created with SPACs. I mean, that would be an interesting thing. But, but again, like the SEC basically killed SPACs. So it never got to a point where it could be such a large part of the market that, you know, it's, you know, like the bad fundamentals of all those businesses could be like, you know, have larger ripple effects. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's it's very strange to cover because of that, right? Like, you want to write the large trend piece to explain the state of affairs. It just seems like it's mostly just a valuation reset, right? Just a lot of companies that were growth right, stocks. Right, that's the and, most clear. And, yeah. I mean, that's where it's been super interesting because you saw, like, well, I mean, Netflix. you know, companies had fallen a lot and then they rebound yeah. a lot. I mean, it's all, you see a lot of interesting price discovery happening, which, you know, makes the market more fun. Yeah. And like when the supply chain is like at the center of a lot of the problems and it's such a complicated, <laughs> right. You know, gas prices were insane. Now they're low. You know, we had all this coverage about right. the gas prices and now it's like, they're low again. I mean, well, they're still high, but they're not as high. They're as pretty, they were. they're way down. I mean, they are down. I'm still paying more than $5 a gallon. Yeah. In you live in California. I mean, I'm yeah. sure New York pays a lot, but I just think people who live in California and New York, uh, yeah, being shocked about gas prices. I mean, to be clear, we should have gas taxes. Like high gas prices make sense. Ugh, uh, yeah, that's a, that's that's a difficult argument. I saw people out there making it. Basically, I mean, I'm like, not high, saying the higher Biden the gas prices, say that. it forces people to not use their yes, cars. And right. it's like, yeah, that's how but, the market is supposed to work. But it's a regressive. It's a regressive tax uh, most of the time. Like it's it's like taxing cigarettes. Ultimately, like the people that don't have money still have to use cars. And if you raise gas prices. They're not going to suddenly be able to do their jobs by taking public transit, which by the way, rich people don't do. And like, if this was done hand in hand from like making public transit functional and like something that people all over cities and like suburban areas could use, then I could like begin to hear that argument. But I would think you're creating, you know, the, the sort of market-based thinking would be you're creating more support for public transit if people feel squeezed by taking their cars and pandering to people. And I the poorest people obviously don't have cars. So it, we're talking, it is a middle class sort uh, of issue. I and then there is like, people can still have cars. You know, there are, there are, inner, there are sort of middle ground solutions beyond just, you know, not going anywhere. Um, you can drive less. I would know. actually be in favor of having a guest on here to talk through some of this stuff because I do think it's interesting. I always thought like the transit aspect of the gig economy was the most interesting part of the beat that I probably should have written more about. Well, you, did, you did some of the gas stories. Uh, yeah, I did the gas stories, and I also wrote a bit about companies that were trying to use, because like Uberpool, as you like to say, was a failure. Yes. And But the, the, like, the idea of it is obviously a good one, which is like how do we create efficiencies in car sharing, which it's obviously not, that has not happened. We've just like clogged cities with gig workers who were just trying to pick up fares and like made traffic worse. So Uberpool was supposed to be a solution to that, but it didn't work for a, mil, uh, you know, a million reasons. But the technology behind it, if it were actually perfected, could be good, right? Like you could have a sort of like smart routing public transit system that is like equivalent to an Uberpool, but actually makes economic sense because you're using larger vehicles. I, I find all that stuff really interesting. 
And it's an area that Uber has absolutely failed in, but there are some startups that are trying to do it. I don't know. I'm so skeptical of that. Anyone who says they can try and do, I just feel like Uber, and I, we talk about this company way too much, but Uber threw, <laughs> what, what's the number now? Like 30 plus billion dollars at these problems? Like if we haven't experimented enough on what's possible with routing, what's possible with carbon, like I, They've failed. You know, there was a huge subsidy to make this possible, right. and they couldn't make it work. Consumers yeah. weren't willing to pay for it. So I don't think some small, piddly startup is just going to like – I mean, this happens, obviously. You know, incumbents get sloppy. But I just feel like we just went through a period of massive research in this, and I, I just don't think it works. I think it makes much more sense to just, like, improve the bus system. You know, like, the buses – New York – I mean – the bus just doesn't come. Like you, you go out and wait for it. Like I don't know why it doesn't come, but like I, I feel like just my, just some tweaks to the municipal bus services in the biggest cities in the world uh, seems more valuable than like I don't know. Even though I tend to believe in companies solving these things on on busing, I'm pretty skeptical. Right. This is quite a change from from last week when you were saying that you thought Amazon could could fix our healthcare system because they're a great company. Well. Part of the problem is that a company would be competing against a subsidized service. So if you were to take the subsidy that we use for buses and hand it over to a company or sort of competing companies, maybe I, w- I would be bullish on that. Meanwhile, Am- Amazon is moving into competing against like doctor's offices. Which, uh, right, which, other companies. Yeah. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, that's a different argument. I'm saying don't compete against a subsidized service. That seems like a loser. I don't think it's hard to be so much more efficient that you can beat well, out the subsidy. Well, no, I mean, what these startups, man, we really should bring someone on if you're interested in this because there are a lot out there and they, they are smart people. But their argument is basically they're just trying to win contracts with public transit. So it's like we have great routing technology. We can input that in your buses and make them kind of be like ride hail adjacent, you know, like Uber pools, but with larger vehicles. And it wouldn't be like some company doing it. They would be providing the technology that undergirds it and maybe the app or something. Not, not much money. Maybe, maybe it's, oh, a it's good not idea a great in a government. Not, it's not, not a great a, investment. I mean, these companies have been pitching me for, my, like, for years. I just sort of avoid them at all. I mean, none of them have Well, VCs do out. too. It's really hard. <laughs> I mean, like VCs basically say, for most companies, if your client is the government, we're not all that interested. Unless... It's the government trying to kill people. And then there's a lot of sure. money in that. If, sure. If you want to help the government do what it does best, uh, the course well, of apparatus to. of the state. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. What, what we were once great at in yeah. America, killing people at scale. The, uh, the military industrial complex was like a great opportunity. Yeah. I mean, people, VCs are extremely bullish on Anderol. I do think people really look to that as a model. And so I think there's going to be a lot of investing in that space. I mean, Andreessen obviously has American dynamism, um, so it's it's red hot. Yeah, yeah. Cal is starting to throw like clothes off my bed, so we probably need to wrap it up fairly <laughs> sure. soon. Uh, was there anything else we wanted to talk about? We didn't really get into the Trump FBI stuff. Well, without Katie, I feel like it's yeah. We can we can put a pin in that. I have I have so many questions. I have so many questions. I feel like we've just moved fully into the burn after reading version of reality. <laughs> uh, anyway, this was good. I'm I'm glad to be back. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad to take a vacation, but I had I had a lot of thoughts that I had no outlet, no forum to put them in. Uh, so I guess if nothing else, that's what this podcast is for. I can't even promise what'll happen next week. We, we we've previewed a couple of guests coming up soon. We'll have Mark Bergen on 
Let's oh, talk yeah. about you two. We have a few other ideas we've been we've been working on. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening, and we'll see everyone back here next week. Goodbye. Silicon Valley. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.